0: Hi there, this is Jacob Msiba, the Senior Pastor of Builders Church. I just want to thank you for taking time to listen to our podcast today, and I trust that it will bless and build your spirit. Enjoy the message, and God bless you. Praise God, and we are continuing on our subject, Saints, um, Grace and Truth. It's a very important subject in this day and age, Um, in our walk with God to know that we need balance as believers lest we be tossed to and fro and find ourselves in a place where uh, we are missing out on what God has in store for us I'm good on my side Um, in what God has in store for us because of the things that are being said out there. And so we really bless the Lord that he's reminding us in this season and in this time to really make sure that we understand what grace is and we have the balance between grace and truth. And we are not abusing the grace of God um, in our lives. Amen. So today we will be talking under the subject... Under grace. Look at your neighbor and say, under grace. grace. If your first neighbor was not too, you know, participative, let's try the other neighbor and say, under grace. grace. Amen. 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 We are living under the grace of God, under the, the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we are going to get our scripture reading this morning from the book of Romans chapter number 6, verse 14. Romans chapter number 6 and verse 14. Amen. Are we there? Amen. Let us read. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. So beautiful. What then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace and it says there certainly not such a powerful scripture that lets us know that we have been given dominion over sin and not the other way around that sin has dominion over us so we are just going to look at the role of the law that if The Bible says we are not under the law, but under grace. Then why must we have the law? You know, why is the law there? Um, Couldn't God has just given us grace from the beginning so that we can just walk in it and continue. But the Bible tells us that he has given us law. And we're going to look at the role that law plays. And there's a beautiful scripture in the book of Galatians, verse 3, verse 24, and it reads... Therefore, the law was our tutor. Say tutor. Thank you. I know that, you know, you can tell age by how somebody says tutor. There's tutor, there's tutor in the house. And that's how you can gauge. You can just look straight forward. Say tutor with confidence and God will be with you. It says, therefore, the Lord was our tutor to bring us to Christ. That we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. That scripture tells us that grace came in, that law rather came in to be a tutor. And the word tutor, when we look at the definition, a tutor is a private teacher or a schoolmaster. It's something that is there to teach us the basics so that when we move forward in life, we have basics that we can apply that help us then to operate at our, full, our, our fullness. If I ask anyone in the room today who has a conversation by saying uh, R-A-E-O-U, you know, uh, do you call someone and go, hey, Sismu, R-A-E-O-U, we don't. But that and all the letters of the alphabet that we have been taught form the basics of what we use to then communicate with one another and to communicate in general. We are not going back to using the basics raw as they are, but they are helping us in our life so that we can be able to do what we need to do. So then uh, the law came into our lives as a tutor, to instruct us, teachers, tutors and lecturers We've all seen, we have them for a certain period in our lives, depending how long you decide to, um, you know, go to school. But you don't stay with them forever. They teach you, they equip you, and you move on to go and apply what you have been taught, to go and run with what you have been taught. So the law comes into our lives to teach us the basics. And when we have the basics, we then have the ability to run in what. Um, we need to do you know it doesn't mean that what they taught us is no longer applicable it is applicable you know most of us jokingly will run around and say i'm not quite sure how the theorem of pythagoras is helping me in my daily life let me tell you it is helping you in your daily life you might not be able to pinpoint exactly where but it is helping you there's some principle that you took from learning the theorem of Pythagoras, of which I do not even remember, but I remember the name, that there was a theorem of Pythagoras that they gave us at school. So the basics really help us to be able to do what we need to do. So we cannot neglect the basics. You can see when someone is running without basics that what they're doing is shallow. You know? You can see what they're doing is not, it's not the real thing. I've I've, um, had the privilege of meeting people that are experts in certain things that are not usually... You would think there's no expertise behind it, you know? Things that are easy to do that you think, ah, this one is just doing one, two, and three. There's no science behind it. But when the person broke down the science behind it, I was like, wow. I didn't know that there was so much in the foundation of what you're doing. I just thought you get there, one, two, and three, and then you do... Um, what you do and you move on. Um, I recently, there's one of our um, uh, students from from the Delmas campus. I have the privilege of connecting with them, the students that are uh, part of the church that are at tertiary um, level. And whenever we connect, they'll share, this is what we're learning and whatever. And there's one of them that's learning how to become a chef. And she was taking me through the different kinds of boards you have to chop things on apparently they are color-coded, you can't just use any, see, uh, Chef Louis is is agreeing, you can't mix them, it's a taboo, if you take a, a, yeah, so if you have one chopping, (laughs) uh, you are not doing justice, you lack the basics that's what you don't have. You are just like me. You have that one board and if you can get the one made out of wood, it lasts you for years, you are good to go. (laughs) Who needs another chopping board? Exactly. So the basics really help us to be able to take out and you can see what she can cook and what I can cook is not the same. Even though... um, my food can taste nice there's just something about hers and she might not be able to pinpoint exactly where the chopping board uh, uh, or, or, or where the chopping board leads to a nice a nice beef stew you know but she has the basics and the delivery of what she gives out can be seen Um, in that it's different from me, who doesn't have the basics. So it doesn't mean we let go of the basics, and we forget, but we need to strike a balance, and be able to know that in as much as there's grace, there's truth. In as much as we are under grace, Jesus came to fulfill. I'm getting ahead of myself, but uh, God will help us. Amen. So, The law, as I've said, gives us the basics. And the book of John, chapter number one, verse 17 says, we got the basics from Moses. And this is in the message translation. So if you don't see it in in your Bible, uh, just flip the, the, the translation if you're on an electronic one. It says, we got the basics from Moses. And then this exuberant giving and receiving, this endless knowing and understanding, all this came through Jesus, the Messiah. So the Bible acknowledges that we did need and indeed have received the basics uh, from the law. The law is important. It is our tutor. Then the law did not just come, you know, it it did not just um, appear out of nowhere, but the law came because there is a lawgiver. You know, law comes because there is a lawgiver, someone needs to be behind uh, the law. And as we know, even in our normal justice system, it can't be anyone that then says this is what we can and cannot do. So we have a lawgiver, and God is our lawgiver. And the book of Isaiah, chapter number 33, verse number 22, um, reads, For the Lord is our judge, the Lord. Is our lawgiver. The Lord is our King. He will save us. Amen. So we must be able to see God and know that God is a lawgiver. In as much as He's loving, in as much as He's kind, He is a lawgiver. He is a God that wants things to be done in a specific way. He is, a, he is a God that has limits of what we can and what we cannot do. Even though He is a limitless God, I love one of the things that I cherish a lot in my Christian walk um, is what Pastor Jacob once taught. And he says it now and then, um, even when he is um, teaching, um, that even as we live our lives um, as believers, there's a particular way that God will speak to us in terms of how we need to live our lives. And we need to pay very strong attention to that. We cannot give God what we want. God has specifics, amen. And those specifics are good for us. So the Bible says in the book of Malachi, chapter number three, verse six, for I am the Lord and I do not change. The Lord doesn't change. So the same God who spoke in the time of Moses to give them the law is the same God we are serving today. He hasn't changed. He is still a lawgiver. He is still about the basics. He fulfills them through Christ in our lives. So it is very important that we open up our hearts um, and that we know that God is the lawgiver that does not change. So that when he comes to Um, You know when somebody gives law, you or not necessarily gives law, when somebody tries to tell you what to do, let me put it like that, you always question yourself, why or what right does this person have to tell me what to do? So it is very important that in our hearts, as much as we know him as a provider, we know him as a healer, We know him as a savior. We know him as many other good things that we know that God is a lawgiver and he does not change. And it is still the same today. And sing asabi, uwumesab. You know, we must not be afraid to fear the Lord. It's, It's not popular in our times, but we must remember that God is a lawgiver and we need not be afraid to fear the Lord. It's a good thing to fear the Lord. Expose yourself to being told what to do by God because sometimes we get saved and when He wants to continue to work in us, we then struggle with receiving instruction from Him, especially if it's something that we think is dear to us that He might be moving us away from. So God in His nature hates lawlessness He hates lawlessness. He doesn't like, you know, a a, a situation where there is no law, there is no guidance, there is nothing. And that is why we are sheep. And he gives us shepherds because he knows that day, if there is no guidance, if there's no leadership, if there's no law, if there's nothing to follow, to guide us, we become something that we shouldn't become. And our lives do not become as good as he wants them to be. The book of Hebrews, chapter number one, um, verse nine says, you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. The Bible here speaks, you can say how again, Pastor Tati. I also said, "I God die. <laughs> you know, <laughs> is this fair? But this scripture shows us that the first thing I love about it is the fact that instead of saying you loved righteousness and hated unrighteousness, it says you hated lawlessness. Which then takes lawlessness and positions it with unrighteousness. That if you are lawless, if there's lawlessness, That is sin before God. God does not like lawlessness. He likes things to be done in a particular way. And that is the way that we should follow. And continues to say, God has anointed you with the oil of gladness. How many of us go seeking for joy? Seeking for gladness. And we begin to realize that the things that sometimes take us into that place where we are not able to experience the joy of the Lord is lawlessness. Lawlessness drives us to doing things that God does not want us to do. Not because he's being an unfair God and laying the law just because of laying the law, but he does so, so that we can be good in our lives, so that we can experience what he wants us to experience. Have you ever seen a small child, and I know this is a popular example, when you are trying to tell them not to play with fire and they don't get it because this thing is fascinating It's orange, it's blue, you know, uh, and everyone seems to be away from it and they want to go there and they want to touch it and feel it. And yes, the the feeling to explore and want to know and want to see what else is out there that God has created, perhaps that's what is in the child's mind, I think, is a good thing. However, touching the fire is not good for them. And most of our lives live a life where whenever God says, Stay away from the fire. It's like, ah, God, you don't love me. You know, you are depriving me of something that I like, that I would like to do. And then we wander on the other side when we are miserable in our lives. And I'm not saying situations come because we are always not doing right things, that we have an enemy out there that is out to get us. And um, so he will attack us now and then. However, there are instances where we go. Um, I remember there was a time when the children of Israel were like, yeah, hey, meat, 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 meat. You should read about it in the Bible. God was like, oh, okay, meat. There you go. And he gave them more than what they could take to a point where meat was like, ugh, to them. And you know, sometimes we live our lives wanting things like that. By wanting to go for for things that God does not necessarily want for us, things that are not lawful um, according to to him. And the reason why God hates um, lawlessness is because lawlessness is sin. The Bible says it clearly in the book of 1 John, 1 John chapter number 3 and verse 4. It says, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. So the Bible shows us that when we are lawless or where there is lawlessness, there is sin. And that is why we should strive and push for righteousness. Amen. Can I please ask my brother, just to come and play? Uh, amen. let him sing Shailen Mother says, amen. So, whenever you do something wrong, and I don't know if it happens to you or if, if you've done something that you did not want to do, there's this overwhelming feeling of shame and guilt that comes upon you. Like, I've, I have nephews and, and, and nieces. I have not been blessed with children yet. Um, so I, I have nephews and nieces and you know, sometimes they'll do something wrong and I will correct them. Hey, as soon as I finish, it's almost like the Holy Spirit is like, how? where, <laughs> nana. You know? I, I, and I feel, hey, I, I was correcting them, yes, but I shouldn't have gotten to that word. It's not good, you know? And the devil brings sin for that reason so that we can feel guilty. So we can be people who are lawless and people who break the law, where do they end up? In jail. Some of us are walking daily. Around, there's a cage around you and you can't figure out why can't I break free? You know, we see you moving around. We see you driving your car, running your business, doing your work, doing ministry, if that's what you're doing. However, you are living in a jail cell because lawlessness keeps us in bondage. Lawlessness creates a jail for us and that is not the will of God for us. That is why God gave us the law. That's why God gave us the basics so that we won't be dribbled by life, so that we won't be dribbled by the enemy, but we will be able to stand and and have the anointing of God flow freely in our lives, without anything stopping it, without anything causing it not to be able to produce what God wants us to do in our life. God, it matters to God that we are glad. It matters to God that we become glad. It does. It really does. And I know sometimes life can throw things at you that might look like God does not want you to be glad. God wants you to be glad. God just does not want lawlessness because lawlessness is sin. So in our pursuit and of, the, of our relationship with God and increasing and knowing who God is, we need to know that He is a God that hates lawlessness. And that means we should also hate lawlessness and we should go for the law, subject ourselves to what God wants to do. Amen by not neglecting the basics. Yes, we are not under the law. We are no longer under the law. It is the truth. We are under grace. However, the law gives us the basics and we are not to neglect it. Amen. Now, looking at the law in the New Testament, there are different uh, um, laws or, or there are different uh, uh, scriptures that speak to us about what the law is in the New Testament. And how many of us have heard the saying, of people saying, no, in the New Testament we are taught to leave the, the law behind, you know, the law is no longer uh, necessary in our lives. All sorts of things we are, you know, walking in grace, therefore we can, we can let it go, um, However, the Bible shows us in the New Testament that the law is still recognized, um, even in the New Testament. So God still recognizes the law even in our time. It has not um, been forgotten. The book of Romans, chapter number 7, verse 22, it reads... For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. So it speaks to us about the law of God in the book of Romans. In the New Testament, even though we are under grace, it's still referring to the law of God. The book of Romans, chapter number 8, verse 2 speaks about the law of the spirit of life. It says, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free. What has made me free? The law of the spirit of life has made me free from the law of sin and death. It even opens up our eyes to the fact that there is a law of sin and death and there's the law of the Spirit that is found in Christ Jesus. Amen. And the book of Galatians chapter number 6, verse 2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. It brings the law even closer to Jesus, our Lord and Savior, in whom we have grace, in whom we have been taught even last week that He is the grace. The Bible says, the law of Christ. And in the book of James, chapter number one, verse number 25, it says, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. And it paints a beautiful picture that if we are seeking for the blessing, if we are seeking for the blessing of the Lord, we need to not only be hearers, but doers. And doers of what? The perfect law of liberty. So the law still has a a role to play in our lives, even though we are under grace, even though we are walking under grace. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm walking under grace. Amen. And that's a truth you need to carry and believe in. This year is about knowing who Jesus is and what he has done in our lives. And we will keep to that and hold it um, steadfast. Now, so what does it mean? If the law is still important, but we are under grace, then what does it mean Uh, To be under grace, what does it mean to be under the law so that we walk out with the knowledge and understanding that we need um, in order to properly apply this in our lives. Amen. So, there are different laws that were given to Moses, right? And I believe we were taught these last week. Um, We have the Mosaic law, which has the first one um, is the moral law and then the civil law as well as the ceremonial laws. So the Mosaic law in it had over 600 laws, 600 that people had to um, obey. I don't know about you, even if you gave me 50 of those, and you said to me, just in your life, it's okay. Let's forget the 550 and just focus on the 50 that we are giving you now. It would be difficult for me to stick to them and make sure. It would even be difficult, no matter how um, you know, no matter how good I would like to be. It would be difficult for me to even remember what they are, let alone try and and follow them. You know, most of us here. and You don't have to put your hand up. Even the Ten Commandments. <laughs> even the Ten Commandments. You have to go. Mm, love, love, and love God with all of your heart. And <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> just the two, where everything is consolidated. <laughs> it's difficult, you know. So it shows that us that. Um, Jesus coming was a very necessary thing it was a very necessary thing we were never going to be able on our own to reconcile ourselves to God it was just going to be impossible you know and I always thank God that you know I was born in this time I don't think I would have handled all the blood and the and the goats and the and the sheep and the, you know. So I'm super grateful because you could have come at any time, you know. (laughs) But God chose this time specifically. So we are really blessed that Jesus has died for us. So what does it mean when the Bible then says Jesus fulfilled the law um, and he did not destroy it, you know? How did Jesus fulfill the law? Now, back in the day, if you did something wrong, right? So if you committed an act of lawlessness, um, God required blood through different ceremonies. You know, the different ceremonies in the Bible um, where it is shown that people used to do certain things to come and offer the the blood of a whatever animal to come and appease God to ask for forgiveness. So it would be like you do something, then you realize, oh, oh, I've made a, a mistake, then you have to go and slaughter a, a, an animal. But we thank God we don't have to do that today. I'm one of those people that are super grateful for that. Um, so Jesus came to offer his blood so that there will be no longer a need for ceremonies. And it can be a simple thing to say, even for me, just to say I'm avoiding the... the Yeah, the the goats, the the slaughtering and all the things that come with with that. But there was no way in my life I know personally that I was going to be able to walk around with shame and guilt all the time, everywhere I go, feeling like I'm wrong, experiencing the results of being wrong, Um, constantly questioning, you know, myself, wondering am I fit for this? Or knowing that you are not fit for this because this is what happened. So something needs to die and blood needs to be shed. And so Jesus came to give his blood. The Bible says it was God's will for him to die. Jesus came knowing it was God's will for him to die. For me and you so his blood can be shed because he says that he knew that it was not pleasing God. He did God was not requiring the or was not well pleased with the offerings that were given of animals. But God wanted us to be totally free. And Jesus came and took that I don't know about you, but if I'm sent somewhere and I'm told listen I'm sending you there because it is my will for you to die. I was not going to go. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. He wasn't even going to die. But he was like, uh-uh. these they sinned. They must sort themselves out. We all know there's a God out there. What are they doing? You know? But Jesus came and he died for us. And it's a significant part uh, of our Christian walk that we should understand that when we say we are cleansed and washed by the blood and we are under grace, we are not talking the blood of a goat. We are not talking the blood of a sheep. We are talking the blood of the master, the lamb that was without spot nor wrinkle. The Bible says he had done nothing wrong, nothing wrong, yet he died on the cross for you and me, signifying that his, our importance to him is far beyond his life. He loves us that much and we have been purified by, by the blood of Jesus. The book of Hebrews chapter number 9 verse 12 says, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered the most holy place once and for all. The most holy place, when you're looking at the tabernacle of Moses, is a place where not everyone could go through. That even the priests that went into the most holy place had uh, had to have blood, uh, and they had to wear certain garments. It was so dangerous for a man to walk in there that they would tie a, a, a chain on the, on, the, on, the, on the foot, on the ankle of the ears, so that they can tell when it moves that he's still alive and the presence of God has not killed him. And if he does drop dead and they can't hear anything, then they don't have to go in. They can just pull him out by it. But Jesus came in so that we can experience God at that level. His blood gives us access to the most holy place and we must cherish it. Whenever we close our eyes, you might be in your bedroom, you might be in your office, you might be in your car. Whenever you come close, as the song was saying, we are sent. And we get into a place where we are in the presence of God and we are being changed into his likeness. See, even though he requires lawlessness from us, he's not asking us to go and get the lawlessness for ourselves. We couldn't. He knows that we are not capable but he went in there for us so that when we come, God will see us. When we, when, when, when we come in, sorry, God will see him. So we can now walk into the most holy place and experience the presence that changes you from the inside. That you can have an addiction that you are dealing with, with no way to take it out. But when you come into the presence of God, his power and ability and grace that is able to withstand any kind of addiction, begins to infuse into you and before you know it you walk out being able to do something you couldn't do. See grace is not only available for us to be able to um, be forgiven but it's also there to give us the power to live a righteous life. So if you have anything that you want to stop doing and you are like God I, I know this is not right. I know this is not how you want me to walk with you. You are more than welcome to tap into the graces available for you. You are more than welcome to go before God. You are welcome to come into the most holy place and say, God, I know no one in my family, no one has ever been able to conquer this. But I believe that you can change me. I believe that your grace is available for me and I'll be able to live a righteous life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it continues to say, entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Not temporary redemption, not redemption that lasts for a year, but redemption that is eternal. I once saw someone giving an example of how long eternity is, and they took a long rope and maybe dyed a centimeter of that rope in red, and they were like, that red part is the life you are living now. Eternity is as long as the rest of the rope. So eternity is a long time. We have been redeemed and Jesus came to fulfill by giving us his blood so that we can be washed. Amen. We had also disobeyed God through Adam. We were judged by God. We were condemned to death because of sin. We could not obey our way back to God but Christ did it for us. Have you ever loved someone so much that you just wanted to make it right with them, but couldn't? You can feel you don't have the capacity to make it right with them. You've done them so wrong, so wrong. And when you realize, you're like, I've really, i you know, I've just, I really shattered this person. Or even if you didn't shatter them, you wronged them and you were like, there's no going back, you know? Uh, Life happens. Things happen in our lives before we get saved. Sometimes after we get saved, things happen in our lives. And if you've wronged someone and it's so painful to not have a way to say I'm sorry in a way that they would understand. Because you are not apologizing to yourself. You are saying sorry to that particular person. So how you apologize to them needs to, yes, it needs to make sense to them. it it needs to be the way they would want you to apologize to them, you know. So when we've done God wrong and we found ourselves having not obeyed what God had said, not even through something that we did, you know, that was done in the Garden of Eden. However, the Bible says we have all sinned, you know, and if we say that we do not have sin, then we, we are liars, you know. Yes, we are sinning. So We had that and there was no other way for us to go back to God and fulfill what he wanted to do in in our lives. The book of Romans, chapter number 5, verse 8 says, Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, that the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. And that is the gift that we have, that we are made righteous by the Lord Jesus Christ. It's difficult to live a condemned life because you can feel it, it weighs on you, you know, Um, even if you can't explain it to someone else, you just feel that it's, it's as if your life is not justified, it's like every morning when you wake up, life asks you, why are you here, why are you doing what you're doing, you know, who do you think you are, if it wasn't for Jesus, we wouldn't be able to answer all those questions, we wouldn't be able to answer them to ourselves, most importantly, so that we can continue doing what we need to do in our lives. It would be very difficult. Fundisi likes saying, life will single you out and say, who are you? On your own, standing, a place where you can't call a friend. You know, a place where you can't hear anyone say anything. David used to go into that, that, that place a lot. Um... He would feel condemned, you know. There's a scripture where he talks about how he had to encourage himself in the Lord. It's those moments where it singles you out and you need some form of justification, you know. And the Bible says Jesus gave us the justification for life. So why am I alive? Why am I here? What am I doing? Jesus is the answer to all of those questions. Jesus came here so that I could find my way back to God. And as I find my way back to God, I find my way back to purpose. I find my way back to being justified. I am here for a reason. And I am not just here for a reason. I am a child of God who owns everything. The Bible says in him we are made made joint heirs. Um, I've lost parents. Uh, 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 Both my parents have gone to be with the Lord. And... At the end of it all, you then start facing the difficult things, you know, of there's an estate and that needs to go somewhere, otherwise government, she takes it and she runs. <laughs> so you need to then go discuss who has what, you know, what did they say about this and what not. Thank God, um, you know, I, by God's grace, I don't even want to give the credit to my parents. I believe they were being used by him as well. We grew up well-knit, so we didn't have any issues with that. But I went to the court where, where it happens. You, 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 you. you can see people are walking in, like, this is mine. And they look alike. the features look alike. Uh, you know, you can tell by this brother and sister blood. But when they are walking in there, you can almost feel the wall that's dividing them because this one wants what's theirs, you know. Jesus came and just took what was his, everything, and gave it to us so that we can be joint heirs with him. So we must not forget that in fulfilling the law, there are benefits that Jesus got for me and you, and we need to walk in them. We are living under grace, and grace says ordinarily, as a person, this wouldn't be fit for me. You know, I would have to stand in front of a court. <laughs> but thank God that in life, in that court, God is the judge. And so when I appear for this estate, I don't come and appear for it in my own power and in my own understanding and in my own likeness. But I stand there and Jesus stands before me and he's like, yes, it does belong to her. I give her the title deed open that door, make it work, give her that healing, give her that righteousness, you know, and we receive that um, through God. So we must not take it light. It's not a light work. It's not a light work. Um, there was an example that Mfundisi once um, gave and, and he said, uh, I can't remember whether he said he had had someone say it or, 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 but I heard it from him, so I'm quoting my pastor. So he said, um, you never know when, when if somebody comes and says they have a headache and they testify and somebody comes and they say they've had cancer and they testify, we are most likely prone to celebrate the healing of the cancer. But none of us knows what it really takes to heal. So it's the same as our salvation and the same as the fulfillment of the law that Jesus came to do. We don't know how much it takes. We don't know how much it takes. Someone even wrote a song and said, I will never know how much it costs to see you on that cross. So the fulfillment of the law has done so much in our lives in that it has placed us under grace. When people walk into court, they always say your grace, your grace, because they need mercy from the one who's sitting on the chair. They know but we have been given that grace through the Lord Jesus Christ. It belongs to me and it belongs to you. Amen. Amen. My time have missed. So Jesus came and introduced a new way of reconciling with God, which is by grace, through faith in him. However, he also made a way for us to break Free from the lawless deeds that came with the condemnation. How awesome is this? The book of Titus chapter number 2 verse number 14 says, Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. This is amazing that God calls us his special people who have been prepared to do good. So good is not difficult for us if we know and understand that we are under his grace. And we can always go and tap into that and say, Lord Jesus Christ, you gave yourself so that we can be redeemed from every lawless deed. So whatever lawless deed that seemed stronger or bigger than me, I am actually stronger and bigger than it. I can actually face it. I can actually come out of that specific thing and be able to run my race with the Lord. Amen. Amen. We also greet Ma. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We love you Ma. So we see how um, Jesus had a plan when, when he came to say there's a lot of sin in the world but there's a special people that I want to make that will be zealous for good works. What is that? That you can be zealous to do good wherever you go, whatever you do, you are zealous for good works. When the world is running towards fornication, towards alcohol, towards whatever other thing that is there, out there, you are running towards good works and you are a good person. This means it is possible for you and I to be good people by the grace of God over our lives. Amen. Amen. We don't have to stay being condemned by the things that cause us to feel like we are bad. You know that inner thing that's constantly saying, "Mm, you're such a bad person. You can look at that thing and face it and say, I'm under grace. Jesus gave himself that I can be a person who seeks good works. Zeal zeal is such a strong word. Um, The young ones like saying, oh my God, that's such a strong word. Zeal is such a strong word. It's, it's, it's a deep desire, it's a fervency to do good. And we are all uh, welcome to receive that grace from the Lord Jesus Christ to do good and to continue in doing good without getting tired. The Bible says we must not get tired of doing good. And it is because there's grace enough to cause us to be people who are zealous for good works. Amen. Amen. Now, the moral law still stands. We are now not supposed to pervert the grace of God and use it to commit lawlessness, which is sin. The book of Jude chapter number one, verse four says, there have been some who have sneaked in among you unnoticed. They are deprived people whose judgment was prophesied in scripture a long time ago, they have perverted the message of God's grace into a license to commit immorality and turn against our only absolute master and our Lord Jesus Christ. And in the Amplified Version, the same scripture says, for certain people have crept in unnoticed. Just as if they were sneaking in by a side door. They are ungodly people, persons whose condemnation was predicted a long time ago, for they distort the grace of our God into decadence and immoral freedom, viewing it as an opportunity to do whatever they want and deny and disown our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. So the Bible teaches us that now that we are under grace, now that when we appear in front of the courts, we have grace that can always give us forgiveness. Now that Jesus died for our sins and we no longer have to pay for the sins that we are doing, it does not mean we can do whatever we want. Grace is there to push us to do what God wants. Grace is there to enable us to do, yes, to help us to do what God wants us to do. Grace is available to say, if there's this one thing that God is asking of me that I'm unable to do, by His grace, I will be able to do it. And grace is applicable in every area of our lives. It is not just limited in big things. Um, You know, uh, it's going to be difficult now quoting because Ma is here, but... (laughs) Ma once said, needs are relative. So sometimes my need for grace might seem insignificant to someone. You know, it might be that I'm struggling with telling lies and perhaps someone is struggling with being a murderer. Although the Bible, you know, says sin is sin. So it, it might seem to me that I can think, ah, you know, this one I don't really need. The one that's killing people out there is the one that needs the grace more than I do. But grace is available even for those small things. I might be married, I want to love my husband better. Grace is available. I might be running a business. I want to think at a different level. Grace is available. Amen. <laughs> hey, it sounds like more grace is needed. there. <laughs> but grace is available. Grace does that to us. It gives us the freedom to do good, not to do bad. It doesn't give us the freedom to just do whatever we want, wherever we are. But grace then says to us, mm, the flesh wants me to do one, two, and three. But in the inward man, there's the law of the spirit of life, the Bible calls it, that is within me that I can tap into, that will help me to live a life filled with good works, that I am able to do this. I'm able to walk my Christian walk. Some of us just after we get saved, people tell us, oh, when I September, manje, October, November, December. Yeah. So it's it's just it's just somebody can just say you just got saved now. It's it's September, and by the time December hits, I ah, you'll be back on the streets. We know you. You know? But you should know that there's grace available to keep you. There's grace available to sustain you in your walk with God. That, this is the reason why salvation is available for everyone. Because grace is available to do everything that God wants us to do, even as we walk with him. So the moral law still stands. We are not to, to pervert the grace of God or to to abuse it or even as we have been taught last week to allow people who have snuck in it says they creep in unnoticed so that means it's sneaky you know you might not see it coming but someone might come throw in something in your ear that has to do with you using grace to, to, to do whatever lawless did that you want to do. It means it's not really obvious. A person that creeps in, you know, comes in, uh, they say, you know, I'm not sure if it's the same thing here, but no one sees you, you're you coming, yes. You, you just slide in on the side and before you know it, they are there in your life and they are saying things that you shouldn't be hearing, uh, uh, you know, encouraging you to live how you want. You know, uh, because God, God has given us grace. So why are you still asking for forgiveness? Forgiveness for what? You can feel the conviction. You can feel the Holy Spirit giving you the grace to approach the throne. The most holy place that Jesus gave us access to. And that voice can keep you from going in there and receiving the strength to stop you from repeatedly doing what you know very well you want to stop doing for the sake of your relationship with God. So therefore, we we need not hold back, but we need to constantly apply grace in our lives to be able to do good. Amen. And as we said, this grace is available um, to all and we can be able to live a life filled with grace. And may God help us. May God help us not to do life without grace and to know that grace comes from the basics of the law. And we need to know that God uses the law as a tutor in our lives so that we can begin to take a walk with Him. And I'm going to ask us just to be on our feet. And we are going to pray, amen. We are going to pray and we are going to ask God for grace. We are going to ask God to show us the power of His grace. I feel so strongly in my heart that There are many of us who want to leave behind certain things but we are struggling to do so on our own and grace is available for you this morning. Grace is available for you. All you have to do is take it to God and say, God, grant me the grace, the the grace that will allow me to do good works in this particular area because I can see I'm struggling. Amen. Let us pray. Father in the name of Jesus Christ we thank you this morning we give you the glory Lord we give you praise oh God we thank you for your grace we thank you Lord in the name of Jesus Christ that you sent the Lord Jesus Christ to give us grace O master that we may be able to walk oh God in the name of Jesus Christ be able to do what you want us to do, that grace is not a ticket for lawlessness, oh God, but grace, oh Master, in the name of Jesus, is the power working within us, oh Master, in the name of Jesus, giving us the the potential, giving us the power, giving us the ability, enabling us to live lives that are pleasing, oh God, and acceptable before you. We come before you as a God that is a lawful God, that is a righteous judge, that is a God who wants us to do things your way and oh God we come and humble ourselves oh master forgive us for our lawless deeds forgive us for things that we did oh master that were not necessarily how you would have wanted us to do them and grant us the grace this morning even as we walk out oh Jesus thank you oh master that oh master in the name of Jesus Christ in our hearts this morning you are pouring your grace oh master the grace to overcome the grace to have dominion over sin in the name of Jesus Christ oh God you are pouring it into our hearts oh master and you are changing our lives oh God that we will get to that home we will get to that relationship we will get to that workplace oh master and we will see grace working in us oh God allowing us to fulfill your will we give you the praise and we give you glory this morning we bless your holy name and we thank you for your grace oh God your grace that is working in our lives oh master we thank you Lord Jesus for what you did on the cross that we could never do for ourselves oh master we give you glory and we give you honor oh master we bless your holy name thank you for grace thank you for salvation thank you Jesus thank you once again for listening to the message today we trust that you were blessed by it please do subscribe to our podcast to receive new messages every week thank you very much and keep on building